You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 20 minutes I'll be telling a story that I wrote for a fanzine once upon a time, but that was never used. But that is nevertheless relevant, because it refers back to something I once said on this podcast over a year ago, on account of the fact that I had a busy weekend and haven't been able to record a podcast this week, so that you don't have to go without a Blue Box Podcast this week. So that, uh, you don't have to, uh, yeah. Time Shock by Eric Seaweed The ship plummeted towards the earth. Its sole occupant stared balefully towards the screen. The few pieces, hang on, shouldn't there have been more pieces than that, of his golden badge for mathematical excellence lying crushed on the floor behind him. This was the one occasion when his mathematical excellence had let him down. Or rather, he cursed himself, if only he had not predicted that explosion on the flight deck would happen and not flinched away like a little girl just a moment too early, he might have keyed in the last of the digits, and only then would he have discovered whether his calculations had been correct. If only he might not be staring into the face of death right now. As the boy looked at the image of the planet Earth looming up in front of him on the screens, he quietly whispered one word. Mummy! The Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan stood and stared at the TARDIS scanner screen as the spaceship disappeared from view on its journey back through time towards the extinction of the dinosaurs. The Doctor frantically twiddled the controls, attempting to keep his timeship aligned with the spaceship's impossible journey. "'It's no good,' he said at last. "'We've lost him.' There was a shocked silence, and then Tegan broke it. "'I'm going for a bath,' she said. "'It's been a long day, and I stink.' Nyssa nodded quietly to herself. "'Good idea,' said the doctor, sniffing. "'Nyssa, I think you should have one, too.' The ship plummeted towards the earth. As it did so, life on the planet's surface below became aware of the thundering noise in the sky above, and tried to look up and see what was happening. But the Brontosaurus was an ungainly creature, and before it had time to crane its neck far enough that it could angle its head towards the sky— the plummeting spaceship had already plunged into the mouth of a nearby volcano. Bugger, thought the brontosaurus. Wish these legs would go a little faster. And a plume of molten rock and lava spewed forth from the mouth of the volcano, instantly destroying everything for miles around. As Tegan sat in the bath, Nyssa sat on its lip, rubbing soapy lava into Tegan's naked shoulders and back. Will you miss him? Nyssa asked dangling her feet in the warm, clean water. Hmm? Tegan responded dreamily. Miss who? Um, Nissa said, almost to herself. Who were we talking about? The doctor appeared in the doorway. Ah, he said, turning his head away so as not to be quite looking at the two naked girls in front of him. Thou doctor, said Tegan. I'm sure you've seen it all before. I'm sure I have, said the doctor his grip tightening on the cricket bat he was holding in his right hand and the two balls he was holding in his left. 
but I wanted to spare your blushes. Tegan stood up in the bath and turned towards the doctor, the soapy suds running from her naked wet flesh and into the bath below. Lissa's face reddened slightly as she smiled to herself. How long have you known me, doctor? Tegan asked. Do you think I embarrass easily? Well, no, the doctor mumbled in reply. What's that you've got there? Nissa asked, attempting to allay the doctor's obvious discomfort. It's just a cricket bat, the doctor stammered rather too quickly. No, in your other hand, Nissa told him. My balls? the doctor spluttered helplessly. No, no, said Nissa. Not those, that. Ah, said the doctor, yes. The doctor held out his palm so the girls could see what was in it. Five battered and broken gold pieces. Adric's badge, Tegan said, sitting back down. For mathematical excellence, Nissa added. That's right, said the doctor. I was laying some fresh clothes out in your room. Nothing too different, I hope, Tegan buttered in. You know how much we dislike change, Nissa added. Nothing too different, the doctor assured them. The old girl is very good at reproducing the fashions the two of you appear to like. Excellent, the two girls chorused. When I noticed these on the bed, the doctor finally finished, rolling the broken gold around in his fist. I picked the pieces up before we left the crashing ship, Tegan told him. Seemed a waste to leave them behind. Gold, said Nissa simply. Might be valuable. And Adric? the doctor asked. Yes, Nissa said. I thought you might want to keep them, said the doctor, looking down at the battered pieces, as a reminder. I'd quite like to keep them, Tegan said, as Nissa began running, rubbing soap into her back and shoulders once again. But not as a reminder, Nissa said. That would be ghoulish. Maybe you can get the old girl to melt them down and turn them into rings or something, Tegan asked. We could sell them, said Nissa. Or use them as money next time we land on a planet that we don't have the correct currency for. I suppose I could, the doctor said doubtfully. But that's a bit cold, isn't it? Wouldn't you rather keep them to remind you of Adric? Bugger that, Tegan exclaimed. Believe me, Doctor, Nissa added, it was far too difficult to forget he was here when he was around. Nissa began to lather up Tegan's legs. Better off getting rid of them, Tegan said. Five lamps of broken gold isn't any use to anyone. The Doctor turned from the room, his cricket bat clutched ever more tightly in his right hand. You have a grave heart, Tegan, he said in parting. The ship plummeted through the earth. It had entered the planet through the mouth of a volcano in its northern hemisphere, a soft landing through which the spaceship had managed to remain intact, and now it continued its journey on, its momentum carrying it further and further into the planet's molten core, until eventually it passed the point of no return and began to make its way out the other side. But the ship's engines couldn't take the heat or the strain, and eventually they buckled, causing a massive nuclear explosion deep within the Earth's solid shell. On the planet's surface, the pressure from the nuclear explosion caused every volcano, earthquake and rift to explode at once. Within minutes, with a huge planetary belch, the outer crust of the Earth became a molten mass of red-hot lava, extinguishing almost all life. The Doctor stood in the TARDIS console room as the sweetly scented and freshly dressed Nyssa and Tegan entered the room, their faces pink and clean. "'I've made a decision,' said the Doctor. What's that? asked Nissa. I'm going back for Adric, 
the doctor said with determination. Who? Tegan asked. Adric, the doctor replied. You know, about yay high, always dressed in yellow and green pyjamas. Rather, rather annoying, Tegan said. Yes, I remember, unfortunately. The truth is, said Nyssa, Tegan and I have become rather used to not having him around. It's only been an hour or so, spluttered the doctor. And that hour or so has been so much nicer with just we two girls, Tegan added. We'd rather you didn't go back for him, Nyssa said. The doctor rocked on his heels in exasperation. Nevertheless, he said, the TARDIS is a time machine, although not a very reliable one, Nyssa added, and there's no good reason not to go back and save him. There was a very slight pause. I can think of one, Nyssa said. I can think of plenty, Tegan added. Not all of them good, Nyssa said thoughtfully. But every single one of them incredibly valid, Tegan said. Nevertheless, the doctor bellowed, that's what we're going to do and let that be an end to it. If only that was the end of it, said Nyssa. Or the end of him, at the very least, added Tegan. The ship blasted from the earth. The nuclear explosion deep within the planet's molten heart had turned the spaceship into a bullet, firing it faster and faster back towards the surface and eventually out through the mouth of another volcano and far into the sky above. The ship wheeled and turned in the night sky over the planet's southern hemisphere before gravity took hold and dragged it back down towards the mostly molten world below. But the planet wasn't entirely covered in red-hot lava, and the ship fell and buried itself deep into the ice at the Earth's southernmost point. As it did so, had there been anything more substantial than planet spores left alive to listen to what was happening, it would surely have been able to hear the sound of the screaming boy from deep within the ship's smoking, buckling hull. Holy monkey spunk! The TARDIS door opened, and the Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan stepped out onto the planet's surface. Earth, said the Doctor, end of the Cretaceous and the extinction of the dinosaurs. You're sure? Tegan asked. Absolutely sure? Nyssa added. Of course, the Doctor said. Well, I don't see any dinosaurs, Tegan observed. And I don't smell much in the way of an atmosphere, Nyssa added. You sure we haven't overshot? Tegan asked. Gone too far back in that TARDIS of yours? Nonsense, said the Doctor. End of the Cretaceous. Adric should be appearing right over that ridge right there any minute now. The Doctor waited. A minute passed. Or maybe, hang on, maybe over that ridge there. The Doctor waited. Another minute passed, followed by several minutes more. Hmm. Face it, Doctor, the bloody TARDIS has taken us to the wrong bloody place again, said Tegan. Or the wrong time, at the very least, Nyssa suggested. Hmm, said the Doctor. Another wasted trip, said Tegan. Just like when we went to Heathrow and found ourselves in the middle blooming ages. The 17th century, said the Doctor patiently, is not the middle blooming ages. Well, it felt like it to me, said Tegan decisively. Felt positively primitive to me too, added Nyssa, and I'm from Traken. Wait, said the doctor, what's that? 
The Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan listened, and sure enough in the distance they could make out the sound of some huge craft approaching through the prehistoric sky. Rabbits, said Tegan. Shit, said Nyssa. Can you see it? said Tegan. I think I can, said Nyssa sadly. It's just over there, look. As soon as we get a fix on the ship's trajectory, it's back to the TARDIS and off to rescue Adric, the Doctor told them. Can't we just get in and go now? Tegan asked. But we need to get a fix first or we won't be able to land inside the ship and rescue Adric, the Doctor said. A very good reason to go right now, said Nyssa. Now, now, girls, said the Doctor. No need to be like that. Rabbits. Hang on, said Nyssa. Doctor, is that right? The Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan stared as the sound increased and the airborne vehicle appeared over the horizon. Ah, said the Doctor. It seems I may have made an error after all. The TARDIS overshot, Nyssa asked. Went further back in time than we should have. And a shot more like, Tegan exclaimed. No, no, said the Doctor. We must have overshot. This is definitely prehistoric Earth. But by how much, I couldn't say. So what the hell is that thing doing here on prehistoric Earth? Tegan asked. I haven't the faintest idea, breathed the Doctor. Why? Nyssa asked. What is it? The craft roared closer towards them, and the Doctor and the two girls hastily shuffled back through the TARDIS doors. It's... it's... Tegan started to say. It's what? Nyssa pressed. It's only bloody Concord, Tegan told her. The Council of Man convened its inaugural meeting. Great apes, Australopithecines, Neanderthals and various other hominids assembled on the great plains of the southern hemisphere to take tea and discuss the future of pre-civilization. You're nothing more than a blemish on ape society, the great apes told Australopithecus. You're just an anomaly, Neanderthal man told Australopithecus. A backwards evolutionary step. I want my mummy, Australopithecus said. Together, the hominids decided that in order to eradicate infighting amongst themselves, they must choose a way forward that, that would benefit all of early man. And now we have decided to work together, we must choose a leader, said Homo erectus. Our leader should be a great ape, said the great apes. No, he should be a Neanderthal man, said Neanderthal man. What about an Australopithecus, suggested Australopithecus. Everybody laughed. We must choose a leader that can unite the factions rather than creating greater divide, suggested Homo erectus. Ah, whatever, said the great apes. But whom? asked Neanderthal man. The Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan stood in the TARDIS console room and watched on the scanner as the Concorde made a perfect landing on the Earth's rocky surface outside. What the hell? said Nyssa. The Doctor shrugged. I'll tell you what the hell, said the girl who was sitting on the TARDIS couch on the other side of the console room. Who the hell, said Nyssa. Who's a lavin' flipper you, exclaimed Tegan. The girl smiled at the doctor. Nyssa and Tegan looked at the doctor for an answer. That's Clara, said the doctor simply, as if that answered everything. Who, asked Nyssa. Who the hell is Clara, Tegan added. Clara said the Doctor. She's always been here. It's just that we don't usually see her. What do you mean, always? Tegan asked. What do you mean, we don't usually see her? 
Nissa asked. She wasn't in the bathroom earlier, was she? Tegan added. No, said the doctor. She's... He paused for thought. She's my guardian angel. I suppose you could call her that. I have a suggestion, the girl said. We'd better do as she says, the doctor added. And why the hell would we do that? Nissa and Tegan chorused. Forget Adric, the girl began. Okay, said Nissa. Now I'm listening. Sensible girl, said Tegan. You should take the TARDIS and find out where that plane came from, the girl said. Oh, very wise, said Tegan. And how do we do that? Yes, where did that plane come from? Where do we start looking? asked Nissa. Yes, exactly, said the doctor. Where do we start looking? You could try Heathrow Airport, suggested the girl. I like it, said Tegan. Try March 1982, the girl added. Grand idea, Tegan said. And before the doctor, Nissa and Tegan realised it, they had stopped noticing the girl even existed and were planning a trip to Heathrow Airport in March 1982. The Council of Man sat in their meeting on the edge of the Great Wall of Ice on the Great Plains of the Southern Hemisphere and realised that there wasn't an obvious candidate for leader of early man. The Great Apes thought it should be one of them, but Neanderthal Man disagreed. Neanderthal Man thought it should be one of him, but the Great Apes disagreed. Australopithecus thought it should be he, and everybody laughed. What they really needed, Homo erectus told them, was a candidate who would unite early man and stop the fighting between the factions, someone who would reveal the way forward and help early man develop essential skills such as reading, thinking, counting, opposing his thumb and manufacturing toilet paper. But no such candidate existed. And then there was a noise, a creaking in the ice. The Council of Man looked up in horror as the great wall of ice cracked and a great hole appeared. Fearing the worst, the Council of Man cowered back, expecting an ice avalanche. But instead, the hole revealed something else, a large metal structure, broken and battered, and one that had obviously lain frozen in the ice for thousands of years. The door opened and a pale figure emerged. The Council of Man bowed down, in obeisance to the god who had been sent to demonstrate the way things must be. O oh, mysterious god, said Homo erectus, who has been sent to educate and evolve us, who has been sent to teach us in the ways of reading, thinking, counting, opposing our thumbs, and wiping our asses. We down, we bow down before thee in honour of thy presence. The pale figure, a young man wearing what appeared to be green and yellow pyjamas, stepped out of the broken metal structure and grinned like a cat who has just been given the cheese. Excellent, he said. 